Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have our sermon from Easter 2020. Um, you might recall that today's Bible reading was 1 Corinthians 15, and this sermon was also based on 1 Corinthians 15. I'll readily admit that this sermon might be a little bit of a time capsule. You think back to the uncertainty of um, of April 2020, when things had just kind of gotten all stirred up and turned upside down and shaken about by coronavirus and all of the unknowns associated with that. But into that, into that setting, we have 1 Corinthians 15 and the promise of the resurrection. Here goes. Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly the portion from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we read earlier in the worship service. It wasn't supposed to be like that. And if we think, and if we live as though that first Easter Sunday is like every other Easter Sunday that the Christian church has celebrated ever since, then we might be deluded. Then we might be mistaken. Because that first Easter Sunday, and, and you look at the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, you see it right there. On that first Easter Sunday, everybody is just doing what they had planned on doing anyway. Going about their business Going to the tomb, the women get up early because when sundown hit, when sundown hit on Good Friday, that was the beginning of the Sabbath, the great Sabbath of that Passover week. And sundown on Saturday marked the end of that Sabbath. So then after that sundown, they prepared their spices and they went to bed. And they got up very early that next morning. Because they needed to prepare the body of Jesus for burial because he had already been there now for that portion of Friday, all of Saturday, and here into Sunday. He had been in that tomb for three days. And they needed to prepare his body to remain there because that was their experience. That was their experience. Oh, sure, there were outliers. There were, there were times and occasions when the dead had been raised. The crowds all went out to go see Lazarus. To go see Lazarus and to ask him about what it was like to be raised from the dead. And the crowds were so numerous that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law got together and said, well, shoot, now we've got to kill him too. But Jesus had done the miracle before. The widow's son at Nain, the, the daughter of Jairus. Even in the Old Testament, there, were, there was an occasional resurrection. The resurrection when that body had been tossed into a hurried makeshift grave and it hit Elisha, <laughs> who had been buried there, and the guy jumps out alive. Resurrection happened. But those people died. And so these women get up very early in the morning. Having kept the Sabbath, they get up early in the morning and they, they grab the spices and they go to do a better job than the hasty, hurried job that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had undertaken on Friday. 
And as they're walking, they're, just, they're discussing among themselves, who's going to roll that stone back? <laughs> I can't. I can't. And you kind of know the rest from there. You can read the four Gospels. You can read the accounts of, of the women as they are standing there in shock when the stone is rolled back. And it seems that most of the women go to the tomb and look in and look around and they don't see Jesus. Mary Magdalene goes back and sprints to find Peter and John and, they, and she is, says to them breathlessly, they have taken his body away. I don't know where he is. They all run back to the tomb. Peter and John get there. And they see the, the burial clothes and the face cloth folded up by itself, showing that... <laughs> with the folding of the face cloth, showing that this wasn't a grave robbery, but it was very purposeful. It was very purposeful that Jesus has raised himself from the dead and the triumph victory, the triumphal parade had begun. And so when these women are going there, we have to realize that that very first Easter wasn't the Easter that we've perhaps grown up knowing, the Easter of, of pastel colors and bright, happy songs, many of which we are singing today. It was an Easter of dread and wondering, an Easter of confusion until Jesus showed them from his word and showed them from his action that he had raised himself from the dead. Because as they go to the tomb, they're just going about everyday business. They're just going there to, to prepare the body for it to remain. But things are different. And life is totally different now. And so they get there. And Peter and John look in, they don't see Jesus, and they walk back home, scratching their heads and wondering, and Mary Magdalene sits outside, weeping, distraught. Distraught, where is this Jesus? And Jesus just does the most natural thing. He walks up behind her as, as she's crying, and she's like, what's going on? Why are you crying? What's the matter? They've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they've put him. Mary, that warmth, that Jesus, saying this in such a way that life can never be the same. And all of a sudden, the fear and the wondering and the distress of that day began to evaporate, began to burn off like the mist of the morning as the sun rises in the sky and brings its light, sheds its light on the world. Because things could never be the same from this point on. The fear, the doubt, the dread, the distress, all buried in that empty tomb. And the resurrection of Jesus means that sin has been paid for. The resurrection of Jesus is your guarantee that sin has been paid for. And life will never be the same. But perhaps, as you sit here this morning, or if you're watching us on a little bit of a time delay, whatever time you happen to be watching us on YouTube, you say to yourself, well, this is a little bit different. <laughs> Pastor Hagen 
This is a little bit different. I didn't have to go out shopping for a new Easter dress for my child. I didn't get to come to church bright and early at 7 o'clock to prepare Easter breakfast. We didn't have an egg hunt outside. We didn't have the reading of a, of a story for the children. This Easter is different from every other Easter that I've known. Even standing here today, church is mostly empty, except for Joel and Leland, who are reading that book that I read earlier. But the truth remains that even though this church, by all visible physical appearances, is nearly empty, it's just as empty as the tomb of Jesus Christ, where the angels are here as they were there, announcing and rejoicing in the fact that life will never be the same because Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And that's the point that Paul makes. That you and I don't live in fear. That you and I don't have to be afraid of anything, not anymore. And that says nothing about, um, obviously, you, you take good care of your life and you make prudent, rational human decisions and you use the gift of reason that God has given to you. But we don't have to live in fear. Because even though, in a way, this Easter is different from every other Easter you've ever known, it's not that different from the very first Easter that has been ever known. The very first Easter of Jesus Christ from the dead, the resurrection, the resurrection celebration of Jesus Christ from the dead, started out with confusion and wondering and dread. But it concluded with the reality that Jesus has been raised and death has been conquered. And when he came out of that tomb, when he came back alive, he kicked the, the, the door off of the grave and broke its hinges so that it would never hold you again. And he proves this. Paul writes about that today. Um, this is what he says in verse 54 through 57. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying which is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, life can never be the same. Because the very first thing that Jesus did after his eyes opened up there in the grave, and he, he shed the grave clothes, I imagine that you know, the color came back to his cheeks, you know, pumped his fist, that he had won. The very first thing he does after that, he descends into hell in victory. He has a victory parade through the streets of hell before even the first believer on earth knows that he has won. Satan himself sees Jesus, body and soul, son of God and son of Mary, walking through the streets of hell, proclaiming the fact that he has won, that he has risen from the dead, that sin has been destroyed, that he suffered for it all, and because he is alive. All those who had rebelled against God previously would have no chance whatsoever. That the victory of Jesus as he parades through the street of hell is an announcement of the gospel message, the gospel message that you and I share and rejoice in and proclaim this gospel message that Jesus has been raised from the dead after carrying our sin. But that gospel message is nothing but ear-shattering pain 
our greatest enemy. That gospel message that you and I treasure, that Jesus died for our sins and he was raised again to life, that gospel message was the death knell of death itself and the death of the devil's power because death has been conquered. And so he paraded through the streets of hell, announcing the same thing that we announce, but to a very different audience. He announces that he has won, that he has been raised from death, and that those who believe in him will not be put to shame. Those who trust in him have nothing to fear. Those who follow him will never experience the pain of hell and the sorrow of separation from God, ever. And that's what he announces as he walks through hell itself. And what they hear is that, is that you are untouchable. And that Jesus has won. That following the devil was a fool's errand. Paul kind of talks that way as he talks in this, um, this boastful way facing death, talking about the reality of death, talking about the fact that not only is death going to happen, that yes, you will be buried, you will die. Our bodies will turn back to dust and ash unless the Lord returns on the clouds of heaven first. Come, Lord Jesus. But if he doesn't return first, our perishable bodies will perish. But the greater truth is that they will be clothed with the imperishable. They'll be raised immortal. They'll be raised undying with no more pain or sorrow or worry or fear or doubt or distress or dread, or you could just keep going, right? And Paul really trumpets this for us. He boasts, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Almost like he's the guy up here in the castle. Like, you can't touch me. That's what he does. Dear friend, you've sat in a funeral service. You've mourned the loss of loved ones. You've wondered about your own life. You have carried about in your own heart fear and sorrow and dread. You have wondered your purpose in being here. You have wondered, why why did God take my loved one out of the world so soon, and yet I'm still here? You have wondered, what is the purpose of it all, and, and why does God allow this? An empty church on Easter Sunday. An empty heart that is filled with nothing but dread and worry and fear. And in answer to all of those worries, Paul comes along. He says, take heart, dear friend, dear Christian. Join with me in boasting. Join with me in the joyful celebration, that victory parade that started through the streets of hell and continues on earth today until that last day when Jesus will take us all to heaven visibly, resurrected body and soul with glorified body. He says, rejoice with me in this boast. This boast that is the gospel itself. That the sting of death is sin. The power of the sin is the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus carried the sin. 
And Jesus took the sting out of death so that even though you have sat and wept at the funeral of a loved one, that casket will be cracked open and your loved one will come out with a glorified body as every believer in Jesus will be raised with a glorified body. You see, death is only temporary now. Death has been turned into this divine blessing that God uses to put our sinful flesh to death. He uses death to kill death so that by his death, he destroys death forever so that you and I can boast along with the Apostle Paul that even though, even though this day looks, by all appearances, it looks a little bit different than the Easter's we are used to, it's not that different from the very first Easter. Even though you may have woken up with Christ is risen, he is risen indeed on your lips, or maybe you had woken up with the wondering and the memories of Easter's past and loved ones who have passed. All of those All of those thoughts are held in the risen and ever-living hands of our Savior. And so he says, Dear Christian, sing your hosannas. Sing your alleluias. Sing your boast over death itself because you know that Jesus has carried our sin and fulfilled the law and broken the power of death. And so you can say with the Apostle Paul today and every other day, I don't care what I'm afraid of because my Jesus lives. I don't care what what worry I have experienced. I don't care what loss I have experienced. I mean, obviously, yes, I miss that person. But in Christ Jesus, I know that my fellow believer is safe with Jesus now. And in Christ Jesus, I know that I will see my fellow believer face to face with my own two eyes, into their very own two eyes. What better way could you summarize it than in the words of the Apostle Paul? When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And Paul stands there to boast in Christian confidence, in the confidence of the resurrected Lord Jesus, in the confidence that this world's fears and accusations cannot touch, in the confidence that death itself cannot destroy, in the confidence that the devil himself cannot take away. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God that he has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.